Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Passionate, and I really believe that the Word the Lord has given me today will take us even deeper into worship, and deeper into the things of God, and deeper into the ways of God. Um, I couldn't help but uh, laugh at Rusty's announcement. I mean, where else in the world can you go to church, get saved, filled with the Spirit, baptized, and get a traffic ticket before you get out of the parking lot? (laughs) We got it going on here, I'm telling you. (laughs) Well, this morning, I want to share with you a message that I am not prepared to preach. And I'm serious about that. I am not prepared to preach this message. I I love it when I am prepared. I love it when God has downloaded a message into my heart, and I know exactly what He wants me to say and where He wants me to go and the illustrations He wants me to use and the whole objective of the message. I love that. This message is not one of those messages. I'm just being honest with you. It's it's really not. Uh, I I had intended on speaking and beginning our study in 2 Thessalonians this morning, but that will have to be delayed. Because I really believe the Lord has given me a a message, a last-minute message, a late message, as a result of prayer and kind of a, a, a prayer of desperation. And it all began when a staff member sent me uh, uh, a YouTube link and I watched a, a, a video of David Wilkerson and a couple of other people talking about the fear of God. And the whole, it was about 25, 30 minutes long. The whole thing was about the modern day church has basically abandoned the fear of God. And that there are many, many Christians across the nation that have absolutely no concept of the fear of God. And, uh, and so simultaneously, uh, as I was looking at this video, I had been praying and kept praying a prayer that went something like this. Lord, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me, Lord? Now, now, I I want you to know, friends, that I love you guys and I love to preach and I get up every morning. I read my Bible every morning and I'm not talking about a few verses. I study. You can ask my wife. I study my Bible in the mornings. First thing I do when I get up in the morning. The last thing I do before I go to bed at night is I study my Bible. I pray all day long. I pray for people over the phone. I'm always praying for people. 
uh, praying with people. And then when I fellowship, I fellowship around the things of God. But there is a deep sense in my heart that something's wrong. That something's missing. What's wrong with me, Lord? Now, I pray for you guys, and I sometimes ask the Lord, what's wrong with you? (laughs) But this time I was asking the Lord, what's wrong with me? Lord, what's missing? What's wrong with me? What's missing? You see, friends, I, I have this problem, and those of you who have been around me very long, you know this. I have this desire. Sometimes I've questioned whether it was even biblical or not. But I have this desire to lead this church in a great revival. I have a desire to lead this church toward a great move of God. A great manifestation of His holy presence. Revival, breakthrough, I don't know what you call it. But it is in my heart, it's my desire to lead this church in that direction. And it has been there ever since we've been here for 14 years at this dome. And there have been times when we've been close. And there have been times when we've had moves of God in the house. But never to completely kind of see it through. And uh, uh, so I, 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 I really have uh, struggled with that. L- Lord, what's wrong with me? And what's wrong with the church? What's standing in the way? What, what is the problem? And then a board member in this church sent me another video. You want to guess what it was on? The fear of God. The fear of God. And, and I, I got to tell you, I, uh, I watched that video and... Then I thought, my goodness, my goodness, is, is God answering my prayer? Could it be possible that I'm praying? Because we've been doing that on Wednesday night. And, and I want to tell you something. I, I don't mean, I don't, I, you have never, ever heard me fuss about people not coming to church. I don't, I don't fuss about people not coming to church. But really, if you're hungry for a revival and a move of God, try your best to be here on Wednesday nights. Because we're praying, we're studying, we're looking at the old revivals, the great awakenings of America. We're trying to see those common denominators. And, and, and so I encourage you to come back on Wednesday nights. Now, I know some of you can't. You don't have to make an excuse, and, and, and that's okay. But if you can, try to slip in some Wednesday nights and be a part of what's going on here. But I have felt like the Lord has revealed something to me here. And... So what I want to do this morning, just for a few moments, is I want to talk to you about the fear of God. I want to, I want to talk to you about a holy reverence as we approach our God. And this is the exact opposite of casual Christianity. This is about trembling before a holy God. This is about trembling before His Word. Uh, let me just read a couple of scriptures for you. First of all, Isaiah 66, 2. 
It says, for all those things my hand has made, obviously this is God, and all of those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look. Now this is where God says He's looking. On Him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, that means you're willing to humble yourself before God, and who, read those last words with me, trembles at my word. We value the Word of God so much that when we read the Word of God, we tremble at the Word of God. And then listen to Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with me now, with fear and trembling. And then Psalm 114.7 says, say it. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. Now, though there are those who tell us this is just poetic language, but I have to tell you, as I read my Bible, it does not sound like poetic language to me. For instance, Psalm 119, 120 says, My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Can I be honest with you this morning? I can't remember the last time I trembled in the presence of God. I can't can't remember the last time I trembled at His Word. Now, sometimes we try to uh, comfort one another outside of Scripture. And you could just say, well, Pastor, this doesn't literally mean to tremble. Well, friends, that may work for you, but it doesn't work for me. I I happen to believe the Bible says what it means, and it means what it says. And then my mind, when I was meditating on this, my mind went to uh, several uh, uh, experiences I've had through the years. And I've been in this county a, a long time, but through the years I've had invitations to go to the governor's office and to 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 pray at the cabinet meetings uh, for the governor. I've sat in the governor's office in the state of Florida. Um, uh, I've carried conversations, uh, one-on-one conversations with multiple governors in the state of Florida. And friends, I just got to tell you that I, I was a little nervous. I, I, I guarded my words. I realize that was a high position. By the way, I've talked to governors I voted for, and I've talked to governors I didn't vote for. It didn't make any difference. The governor of the state of Florida. I, I, I was a little nervous. I was a little shaky. I wanted to make sure that my words were what they should be. I remember one time we had a group from this church drug me all the way over to Jacksonville. I didn't want to go. But they told me they wanted me to meet a prophet over there. I started doing some reading about this prophet, and I came to believe that he really was a prophet of God. And we were in this church that seated about 6,000 people. My wife see, uh, can tell you this whole story. And I, w- I was sitting in that auditorium with 6,000 people, and they said, he's about to speak, he's about to speak, the prophet's about to speak. Uh, uh, we're waiting on him. They announced it two or three times. 
And finally, the Holy Spirit said to me, get up and get out of this service. And I got up and I said, I'm out of here, guys. And we had folks around. They said, no, you can't leave. I said, no, I've got to leave. I've got to get out of here. I don't know why the Lord wants me to get out of here. They said, well, we're not going with you. I said, that's fine. You stay here. You tell me what he says. And friends, my wife and I got up and we walked out of that service and we hit the hallway in that church and we went around that corner and I ran face to face with that prophet. (laughs) And there was nobody around but me and my wife. And that man of God pointed his finger in my face and began to prophesy and say things that only God could say. That only God would know. Now, i got to tell you, forgive me for this. I was thinking, yeah, they're in there thinking I'm missing out on all this. <laughs> they're thinking I'm missing out on this. And this prophet spoke, and he began to speak over me. And then, little by little, people began to gather around. There was a big crowd in the, in, in the hallway of that church. And, of course, they were waiting inside for the prophet. And here I am outside. And, friends, I want to tell you, and I'm not just saying it was him But in the presence of that spirit that was on him, I began to tremble. And you tell me that we're not supposed to tremble before our holy God? That we're not to reverence him and hold him in such high esteem when we come before our God? Oh, friends, I, I, I'm convicted. It's been a long time since I've trembled in the presence of God. And I want to tell you, I don't see a lot of trembling going on in this church either. I don't, I'm not trying to beat you up. I think y'all are the best church in the world. I love you guys. But I believe if we want to go where we say we want to go, we've got to learn some things from God's Word and get some things in order and start doing what God's Word says do. And that is that we understand that our God is a holy God. He's a God to be feared. He's a God that we tremble before. All through the Bible, we find this teaching Could it be that we have become so casual with God that we've separated ourselves from His glorious presence? Now there's something I want you to understand about the presence of God. There's a twofold aspect about the presence of God. One is the omnipresence of God. Friends, God is in this house right now. And when you get in your car, God's going to be in the car. And when you get home, God's going to be there. And when you go on vacation, God will be there. There's the omnipresence of God. But there's another presence of God that the Bible speaks about. We've been singing about it this morning. And that is the anointed, close, and glorified presence of God. That sometimes shows up. He's everywhere. God is omnipresent. But every now and then the glory of God will show up. The glory of God will come into our midst. All through the Bible we read about this. You can't deny it. There were times when they had services as usual at the temple. 
And then there were times when the Shekinah glory would be so strong on the temple that the priest could not even go in and minister. Listen there, Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he describes it. And he said, I I saw the seraphim. and, And I heard them say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And Isaiah saw the glory of God. Isaiah had seen and been in the glory of God. I mean, in the presence of God his whole life. Now he's in the real presence of God. I apologize. I have no idea whose water this is. I hope you brushed your teeth this morning before you... (laughs) That was not in my notes. um. You see, God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But on the day of Pentecost, there was a special pouring out of the glory of God that came in the wind, came in the fire, came in the tongues. The glory of God. The presence of God. Filled with the glory of God. Now, I've realized something. I I really have. I've realized what a blessed man I am. Man, in every sense of the word, I'm blessed. I, I, I could just go down a list of the many blessings I have in my life. But I want to tell you, you are one of my blessings. God has allowed me and the rest of this staff, these pastors, to pastor a church that's genuinely hungry for the presence of God. Amen. And not just hungry for the omnipresence of God but hungry for the anointed, holy, glorious presence of God. This church, I realize that. What a privilege I have. But I want to tell you, we do need to ask ourselves the question, if we're hungry for that, then what is separating us? What is keeping us back from experiencing Those manifested moments of the glory of a holy God. Those manifested moments where the glory of God comes into the church. Where people are saved. Gloriously saved. That's what happened on Pentecost. It wasn't wasn't just wind and fire and tongues. Thousands got converted. What's separating us? From that breakthrough, from that outpouring, from that move of God. And I'm just presenting the question this morning. Could it be that we've become so casual with God that we've separated ourselves, not from His omnipresence, but that we've separated ourselves from His glorious holy presence, which, which He gives from time to time. As the Spirit chooses. Uh, again, I'm not talking about the omnipresence. I'm, not, I'm certainly not talking about losing your salvation. If you've invited Jesus into your heart, you've repented of your sins, you've had a born-again experience, I'm not talking about losing that. But, but, 
But help me out now. If you've been genuinely born again, don't you want to see some of the glory of God before you get to heaven? Don't you want to see some outpourings? Don't you want to see a church and a county shaken by the glorious presence of God? I can tell you the omnipresence of God is not going to do that. But the glorious presence of God that comes through a people who fear Him and reverence Him, that'll do it. Man, that'll, that'll do something amazing. Could it be that we've become so casual with God that we've separated ourselves from the very thing that we're hungry for? Uh, God spoke to Moses and said to him, and he related it to Aaron. Pull it up, if you will. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be... Say it with me. A little bit louder. I must be regarded as holy. God says, if you want to come near me, I must be regarded as holy. Can I appeal to your logic just for a moment? Would you dare say... Is there anybody in this house who would have the nerve to say that was in the Old Testament, but now we're in the New Testament? God's standards have changed. You can now come into His presence without regarding Him as holy. That you don't have to respect Him. You don't have to reverence Him. That you can treat Him as one of your buddies. To anybody that would stand up and say, we can casually walk in and walk out of the presence of God and it's no big deal. Me and God got our own thing going. We're best friends. Oh, friends, those who would come near Him must regard Him as holy. There must be a holy fear, a holy reverence. Recently, I was telling Brother Scooter about this. Recently, I was talking to a man, and uh, I realized something. I realized about two minutes into the conversation that he was not listening to a word I said. (laughs) It happens. I'm sure I've been guilty on the other end, too. I'm sure I've been guilty of that. But I was talking to this man, and he was not listening to one word I said. In fact, it was, it was worse than that. I would say something to him in mid-sentence while I was talking to him. He would interrupt me and start talking about something else completely. And I thought, I, you know, and I, I kind of waited. And, and, then, and then I started to say something else. And about mid-sentence, he cuts me off, starts talking about something else altogether. Different, had nothing to do with... This happened about three times. And guess what I did? I know you're going to find this hard to believe. I hushed. I stopped talking. By the way, are you any different? Will you keep talking to somebody who's not listening to you? Will you keep talking to somebody who's disrespectful to you? Will... If somebody's just kind of living in their own world, will you keep talking to them? No. In fact, I started doing this. While I was listening to him talk, I started trying to find a good place to exit 
His presence and to get away from Him. Now, friends, when I left, this guy probably thought, man, we had a great conversation. But we didn't have a conversation. He had a monologue. He had an experience with his own intellect and his own words. That's what he had. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart and said, that's a lot of what's going on in my church today. People are coming into the house and they're having an experience with their own words and their own intellect. And they don't even know I'm there. They just know what makes them feel good and gives them goosebumps. But God says I'm holy. And God says if you don't want to pay attention and listen to me, I will exit the conversation. I will back out. I'll let you just keep rattling on and I'll back out of the equation. God says if you want to come near me, I must be regarded as holy. You know what that means? That means you give Him your undivided attention. That means that you approach Him with fear and trembling. That means that that your eyes are on Him. That you see yourself as bowing down before a holy God. Now friends, if you think I'm just going off on a tangent this morning, you are wrong I, I know it's, it's a little bit spastic, and I told you I wasn't as prepared as I should be. But I want to tell you, there's some of you in this house, and you've needed a breakthrough for a lot of years, and you've never gotten that breakthrough, and God put you in this service to hear this message. You see, you can't just have a casual conversation with holy God. I don't believe that. I believe you have a conversation with God when you enter into His presence with holiness. That you recognize His holy. He must be regarded as holy. Now, I don't think it means you have to be holy. We'd all be in trouble there, wouldn't we? But it does mean that no matter what's going on in your life, you have to recognize that He is a holy God. You see, friends, if you want to get into the presence of God, you have to give Him your attention if you want Him to give you His attention. You have to give Him the holiness and the reverence and the fear that He deserves or you will not come near Him. Now, it rains on the just and on the unjust. You'll you'll sense His omnipresence. But you will not come near Him and His glory will not come near you. His glorious presence. Because the only way you can enter that inner sanctum is through reverence and fear. I, I, I'm serious, friends. And by the way, this message is for me. I'm indicted. I'm convicted. I am guilty. But I'm convinced that this modern day, casual, distracted approach that we have to God today has separated us from the thing we long for and we hunger for. The glory of God. Some years back, I had a vision in the night. Uh, to call it a dream would not be correct. It was a vision in the night. I've never had one like this before. But I'll, I'll tell you the whole story later if you ask me. But the glory of God just shone down around me. And 
And I could, there was like this huge, wonderful, glorious light, so bright everything else was just blacked out. And this, the glory of God was all around me. And I remember, I pulled my hands up, just like I can do on this platform, and I could see the shadow of my hands in the glory. I sensed that something amazing was going on. And then all of a sudden, something happened that, that just, I don't know, it just almost destroyed me. But the glory of God just fell on me. It just fell. And I knew it, it was in me. It was on me. It was around me. It was everywhere. And I remember throwing my hands back up. And now there's no shadow. Because the light's not coming from here. It's, it's just everywhere. There was no shadow to cast in His presence. And i got to tell you, friends. It scared me so bad. I thought I was going to die right there, Johnny, on the spot. You know what I mean? I mean, I thought it was over for me. I thought, I am done. I am washed up. I'm done. I look back on that experience. Listen to this. I look back on that experience as one of the greatest experiences of my life. And I've never been so scared in my whole life. You say, Pastor, how can you reconcile those two? How can you reconcile the fact... That it was the greatest experience, one of the greatest experiences of your life, and, and yet at the same time, you had more fear than you'd ever had before. Why? Well, I have no idea. You have to ask the Lord when you get to heaven. But I do know this there is a connection between the fear of God and the glory of God. When you, you don't find the glory of God without the fear of God. Without the reverence of a holy God. You, you, just, you just don't. Now, let me see if I can clear something up for you. Uh, I, I don't want you to come pull scripture on me after we leave here. After I come down. Because I know the Bible as well as most of you. Maybe there are a few of you who know it better than I do. But uh, the Bible says perfect love cast out fear. Right? One of my favorite passages in the Bible says, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. A passage of Scripture that I love says, In God I've put my trust. I will not fear. Now, friends, I want you to understand this. There is a spirit of fear that comes from the enemy. Fear of sickness. Fear of... Of, of somebody hurting you. Fear, uh, all kinds of fear. Uh, uh, we, we have a lady in our church who, who just got delivered from the fear of agoraphobia. Uh, she couldn't go outside for years. And now she's been set free. Uh, there's a spirit of fear that comes from the enemy that will drag you down every possible road of fear. He can drag you down. He'll have you afraid of everything. He'll have you afraid of your shadow. That is a spirit you don't want any part of. But at the same time, you want to fear God. Uh, Matthew 10.28 helps us out. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Who's that talking about? God. Don't fear what man can do to you, but fear what God can do. You, you see, 
We need to stay away from that spirit of fear that comes from the enemy. And we need to devote ourselves to the fear of God, the reverence and fear of a holy God. The psalmist put it this way, Psalm 119.38, Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. I'm devoted to fearing you. We should devote our lives to the fear of God. The Lord gave me this, and I wrote it down. Fear God, and you don't have to, fe- you don't have to ever fear anything else in life. Fear God, and you don't ever have to fear anything else in life. If you are filled with fear this morning, I've got the remedy. The Bible tells us what it is. Start fearing God and you don't have to ever fear anything else for the rest of your life. Now I know some of you may be thinking, I don't want to spend the rest of my life in fear. Yes, you do. Not fear from the enemy, but the fear of God. You do. Trust me. I know you well enough to know you do. And let me tell you why you need to. Because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of God is the beginning of understanding. The fear of God will bring health to your body and flesh. That's what it says. Fear the Lord and it shall be strength to thy, uh, to thy bones. Mara to thy bones, it says. It will make you strong. God will begin to share His secrets with those who fear Him and reveal His covenant. I've got about 30 of these. I started to give you scriptures, but you don't have time for it. So just listen. I'll back them up with scripture. All you got to do is come ask me. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear. There's no want to those who fear the Lord. The heritage of the Lord is with those who fear Him. His salvation is near to those who fear the Lord. God pities like a father and pays special attention to those who fear Him. His mercy is never ending to those who fear Him. He will be your help and your shield when you fear Him. He will fulfill the desires of those who fear Him. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him. Is my face red yet? This is good stuff, isn't it? The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him. The fear of the Lord prolongs your days. The fear of the Lord... In the fear of the Lord, there's strong confidence. Has the enemy got you intimidated? Has he, has he got you weak and, and bashful? Strong confidence. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. The fear of the Lord brings riches and honor and life. <clears throat> I will give you this scripture. Proverbs 13, 13 says, He who despises the word will be destroyed. But he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. You want a reward from God? You want a miracle? You want a breakthrough? You want the glory of God? You have to fear God. I close with this story. Uh, John Bevere, and you can find the story in his book on the fear of God. John Bevere said that he received a call. Uh, this was back quite a few years ago from Jim Baker. How many of you remember Jim Baker? The PTL Club. 
one of the most powerful spiritual men in America. And he fell. He fell into adultery. He embezzled money. He did a whole lot of things that he shouldn't have done. And he ended up in prison. And he called for John Bevere to come and minister to him. And uh, he said during the conversation, and I went back and read it last night, but somehow in the conversation, and of course this will not be exactly verbatim, but you'll get the point, that he presented the question to Jim Baker, when did you stop loving God? When did you stop loving the Lord? And Jim Baker said this to him, I never stopped loving the Lord. And he said, you had to have stopped loving God. You, you committed adultery, you embezzled money, you did things that nobody should do, especially a man of God. You had to have stopped loving God. And Jim Baker said, no, I didn't stop loving God. I never stopped loving God. What I did was I stopped fearing God. And then basically he said, when a man loves the Lord, as many, many people do, and they separate themselves from the other side of that truth, the fear of God, then a man can convince himself that he can love God and do all manner of evil. Participate in anything. Watch anything on television he wants to watch. Go anywhere he wants to go. Do anything he wants to do. He loves God and he's convinced that God loves him. And by the way, that is the truth. God does love you. But there's another side of that equation. The fear of God. Friends, God's got a plan. God's got a work. God's got a ministry. God's got something for this church. But listen to me carefully. If I'm right, and I may not be, I told you I haven't walked this thing out yet, but it, the revelation is so strong in my heart right now that I believe God has revealed to me, your pastor, your senior pastor, the missing piece of the puzzle that will take us where we've never been before, that will lead the way for us to do things that have never been done in this county, that will bring in the glory of God so that people in this county that you didn't think could possibly get saved will get saved. I believe this is the word. This is that peace. The fear of God. And I want you to know I've already been repenting and I'm going to continue to repent. But if you would say today, this is what I want to ask you to do. If you would say today, Pastor, I know I love the Lord. I know I love this church. You, you might even say, I know I'm saved. I don't have any doubt about that. But I also know I have not been living in the fear of God and in the reverence of God, like the Bible teaches. And I'm going to join you as my pastor because I'm doing this myself. And I'm going to join you in repentance today. And we're just going to repent and ask God to lead us back into a holy reverence of God. If you would say that today, I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar. I'm just going to ask you to stand up right where you are.
Just stand up. I want to repent. I know I love God, but I want to repent for not living in the fear of God like the Bible teaches. Now, what we'll probably do is I'll probably come back next week and we'll begin to break some of these scriptures down. I'm not sure because this is just so new with me. But here's what I want us to do. Would you, would you just join me right now? We're just going to repent together. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.